Well, good morning again. If you have your Bibles, then turn with me to three passages. Uh, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 1, we're going to be in John chapter 1, and we're going to be in Genesis chapter 1. So you're just going to have to do a little Bible drill this morning. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one of the seats in front of you. If you don't own a Bible, we would love for you to take that one home as our gift to you today. We love to give away copies of God's Word, and so we would love for you just to take that home with you. Uh, we're going to begin in John chapter 1, but, but as we kind of jump into today, what I want you to grasp is that Christmas is not what it seems from the world's perspective. I don't know about you, but... It just seems like uh, about the 4th of July that Walmart starts putting out Christmas stuff and it just gets earlier and earlier and the commercialism uh, just has seemed to take over this holiday. And, and I want you to know I'm not anti-Christmas. I mean, I make a Christmas list and, list and leave it out for my wife to make sure she knows what I want or whatever. And we do the whole Christmas thing with our kids. But, you know, unfortunately, I think that sometimes we think Christmas is all about that. It's all about... Uh, what the world says it is. And so for the next couple of weeks, we really want to try to give to you and to those who would come the real Christmas story. And I want you to know that it is an amazing thing what God did by sending his son Jesus to be born in a manger and, uh, and then send him to the cross for us. And I want you to just see the picture uh, today and next week as we look at the the uh, traditional Christmas story of what Jesus did and what God did through him and the plan that was set in place. So today we're going to take some time to look at three passages that really tie together the fact that God had a plan and that the plan never got off course and that it never was uh, mistakenly done, that God had a perfect plan of what would happen, and we're going to look at how that all came together. If you'll turn with me to the Gospel of John, we're going to look in chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through Him, and without Him uh, was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Hold your thumb there and turn with me to Genesis chapter 1. Because if you have read these passages before, you know that they are similar in structure and in, in what they say. Genesis chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, says this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and the darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. In the beginning, God had a plan. In the beginning, God had a plan for creation before there was a creation. Now, the great thing is that we live in a beautiful place. I believe that, that there are no accidents, that God did not allow two asteroids to come together and by accident the world was formed, but instead there was a plan. 
And we live in a beautiful place, and whether you love the mountains or the valleys or whether you like the deserts or the seas, this is a beautiful earth that God has created. And I want you to know that God put all that into place, and he did it on purpose. And we'll talk about that in just a moment, but I want you to know that the plan all along from Genesis 1 to John 1 to the end of time was that God had planned to bring redemption to the world. That God had planned to send a Messiah, to send a Savior to the world so that we might go to heaven when we die and not have to pay the price for our sins. Our picture of Jesus entering the world in a barn outside of Bethlehem isn't anywhere near the, the, the beginning. In fact, we often say that Christ's work began at the manger, but I want you to know that that's the middle of the story. The story began before there was time, and God had a plan of what he was going to do, and he wanted to do it in his way, not in what the world thought he would do. Now, with those two passages in place, I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 1, and I know we're in several passages today, but I want to tie the string between all three of these. In Matthew chapter 1, there is a portion of this scripture that I would say that most of us, when we begin to read, we, we hear the word genealogy and we kind of turn, uh, turn the button off. I mean, we, we stop listening. And so when we start reading, Abraham was the father of Isaac and Isaac the father of Jacob, we kind of go, blah, 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 blah. Let's skip to verse 18. Jesus was born. Okay? That's what we normally do. Okay? Most people are not going to read through this section of this genealogy. But I want you to know, not only was it important to, when, when Matthew wrote it, to the crowd that he was hoping would read it immediately, but it's important to us. Now, I want to give you a little bit of a picture of Jewish society of that day. Matthew was trying to write to his circle that was immediately around him the gospel of who Jesus was, the good news of the story of Christ. And so, in Jewish culture, your genealogy was life. Your genealogy, genealogy was so important. In fact, in this section, it is so important because in the middle, there are three sections to this passage in Matthew chapter 1. The first section is Abraham and down, and then it goes to David and down, and then it uh, deals with the lion leading immediately to Joseph and Mary. And in those three sections, there are 14 genealogies each, 14, 14, 14. And there's a reason for that. In the middle, David, uh, it, who is a hero of the faith, his name in Hebrew added up character-wise to 14, 464, which is kind of an interesting thing, uh, which you can go back and study. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that because some of you are going, I don't even understand what you're talking about. And to be perfectly honest, I don't completely understand myself. But I do know that Matthew had a pattern here. And it's an interesting thing because he wanted them to see that Jesus, who was born in Bethlehem, had come from the line of Abraham, of which God made an Old Testament promise to Abraham that from your descendants, I will change the world. And so Matthew starts with Abraham. He, and, and if you remember from the past weeks in our sermon series, uh, we talked about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I don't know about you, but when I read this list, if you were to take the time to study these names and these people and these stories, you would realize 
that what God set in place was not a group of people who were all perfect, but instead what God set in place were people who had problems, people who had issues, people whose families were messed up, people who made mistakes, people who were not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. And instead of God saying, oh, well, you made a mistake, i got to find a different plan, I'm going to do it a different way, God gave grace, he gave forgiveness, and he continued to use the same line. In fact, we know that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they had all kinds of problems internally. There were family problems. Jacob made some mistakes and decisions in life. Things didn't happen perfectly, but God didn't say, hey, I'm scratching your name off the list. But instead, what he said was, I have a plan that's bigger than you. And I'm going to forgive you, and I'm going to restore to you, then I'm going to use you. If you look down in the middle of that first section, I'm not going to read this whole genealogy to you, but in the middle of that first section, there is a lady named Rahab who was a prostitute. So there were people who had a a history. (laughs) They had a past. Then if you look in the middle section... It talks about David. Now, David was a rock star in his day. David was the king of Israel. He was the guy who brought great victories to the nation of Israel. God did amazing things through him. But if you remember the life of David, David also made some monumental king-sized mistakes. He was an adulterer. He was a murderer. His family, literally from the time that he made mistakes, was messed up until the day that they died. But God didn't say, David, you're so messed up, I can't use you anymore. If you read the scripture, if you read the story, God says, you've made a mistake, but now you've asked for forgiveness and I'm going to restore you and I'm going to use your line to bless the nations and the world. And then if you jump down to the end of this passage, what you find is that God comes to a young teenage mother, Mary. Uh, she wasn't a mother yet, a young teenager. And she said, he, he, the angel says, God is going to sends you a child by a miracle. You're not going to have sex with a man, but God's going to make you pregnant and and it's going to be the son of God. It's going to be a miracle. And then Joseph finds out and instead of running away, God uses this young carpenter and this young teenage mom of whom they had no idea what God wanted to do through them to bring Jesus into the world. So what Matthew wanted to do is what one author said was to locate Jesus within the story of God's people. And so if you can understand the Jewish culture, what Matthew has done is says that this is, this is valid. This is real. The genealogy from Jesus Christ led back to the promise of God, and this is the Messiah. And I don't know about you, but it brings encouragement to me because God used broken people, messed up people, people with mistakes, people with problems, people with issues. And he used those people to lead to Jesus who would come and be born in a manger, who would be led to a cross, who would be put in a grave and who would pay the sins of the world. And on the third day, he would rise again. You see, God had a plan. He had a purpose. And the whole time it was to bring redemption to the world. If you look in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, it says that Mary gave birth to a son and she to, the, the angel told Mary, you were to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. You see, God had a plan. God was sending the Messiah. 
God knew about the whole picture of time before time was created. There is a theological term, omniscient, which means that God knows everything. And so God knew that the world was not going to be perfect. God created an incredible place. God didn't just allow things to happen by accident, but he, with his hands, created the Black Hills of South Dakota. He created the, the mountains. He created the seas. I personally think he spent more time in certain areas and less time in others. We won't talk about those other areas that are desolate and nasty and look like God forgot them. But we live in a beautiful place, and God created all of that. Why? Because God had a plan. And when he set Adam and Eve in the garden, he knew that they were going to make a mistake because he knows everything. And in that moment, God knew that there was going to be a need for redemption. He knew that there was going to be a need for the Messiah. So all through the Old Testament, the the scripture foretells of the coming Messiah. Now we've talked about the fact that the world thought that this was going to be coming in a different way. They thought that Jesus was going to be this great military leader that when he showed up on the scene, that he would literally dominate the whole world, that he would come in militarily and that they would rule the whole world. So when Jesus came as he did in a barn in a manger, in a little bitty hick town in the middle of nowhere to a young carpenter and a teenage mom who everybody thought she got pregnant on the side and Joseph was just a good guy. All of this happened in a way that the world would have done it in a different way. But God, I want you to know, listen, God always had a plan. God never was off course. God knew exactly what he was doing. And this common thread all throughout Scripture means that all roads lead to Bethlehem. If you look back in Genesis chapter 1, it says that God created the heavens and the earth. In that creation, there were three persons we call the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus was there. Jesus testifies to that in John chapter 17, verse 5, where he says, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. You see, God had a plan and Jesus was there in the beginning. When the formulation of that plan was coming about, God the Father was putting in place the plan that would run throughout the Old Testament times all the way up to the manger in Bethlehem when Jesus would come on the scene and be born to a virgin, Mary. Now, I want us to spend just a moment in the book of John. I read to you this passage a moment ago and I, I want to I, I teach you this morning a little bit of Greek. So if you don't already, if you're not already multilingual, today you're going to become even more. There is a word in this passage called logos. Would you say that with me? Logos, okay? Logos is the Greek word for word, okay? Let's look at it again, beginning in verse 1. It says, in the beginning was the word, the logos, and the logos was with God, and the logos was God, You see, the Logos, the Word, is the message of God to the people, the message of God to the world. What is the message that God wanted to give to the whole world? Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says, For the Word of God is living and active. You need to know that from the creation of the world, the Genesis 1 experience, that God set into place the whole planet, the whole solar system, which... You know, the idea, this is a side note, but I just got to say this, all right? 
The idea that all this is an accident is so ludicrous, okay? Do you realize, I'm not a scientist, but scientists say that if we were one degree farther out, we would freeze to death as a planet. If we were one degree farther in, we would burn up, okay? So we just happen to actually accidentally set in the right path, spinning at the right speed, going around the sun at the right amount of time so that we don't freeze to death and we don't burn. That was all an accident, right? Okay, if you've ever been at the birth of a child and seen a birth, that's an incredible thing. I'm glad I'm a man, not a woman, but it's an incredible thing because life comes and the things that just happen to happen for you to breathe in, breathe out, live, walk around, your body's working, there's things going on in your body, you don't even understand how it all works. All that's an accident. I mean, look at a fly that you want to swat and kill. The, the amount of things that are going on in that little fly's body, all that accidentally happened? Sorry, I don't think so. God created it because he's an incredible architectural designer. And he put time and thought into all of that. So if he would put so much energy and, and thought process into a mosquito that drives me crazy and I want to kill it, what would he do for those that he loved? John chapter 1 says the word became uh, flesh. That the word, the message of God, the logos was that God loved the whole world. How do we know that? In John chapter 3 verse 16 it says, For God so loved the whole world. You see, the message that God wanted to begin in Genesis, that he begins to come in Matthew and happens in John chapter 1 where it says that the word was God. The message, the logos, was that God had a message to the world that he loved them. And you say, well, but, but pastor, what about the judgment of God? What about the obedience necessary for those who follow God? What about the message that God wants us to hear? Listen, all of that is important. But the message that God wants the whole world to hear is this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. As a side theological note, I just cannot wrap my brain around the fact that God would create someone to send them to hell without the opportunity of accepting Christ. You see, my Bible says that God loved the whole world. And so... God wants the whole world to know the message. Is it important that, that we understand the judgment and the obedience necessary and all those things? Yes. But you need to understand that if you wanted to know what God's heart is, it's found in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4, where Timothy says that the heart of God is this, that he desires for all men to be saved. Ladies, that means you as well. But he desires that all be saved. That's what God's desire is, is for the whole world to know of his love for them. So whether you like the desert or the mountains, whether you like the seas or uh, the flatlands, whatever your favorite place in the world is, you need to know that all of creation has been created so that we might know the love of God. So that we might know that God has created a place for us to love and to live, but that that place has been created so that we might know him, and that we might love him, and that we might accept him. God's message is that he wants to have a relationship with every human that has lived and will live on this planet. John 1, 1 says in the beginning was the word, was the logos. And the second half of that verse says that the logos was with God and was 
God. And then verse 2, it says that Jesus was there in the beginning. The Logos was there in the beginning. The message of God's love was there in the beginning. And then an incredible thing, if you will skip down in John chapter 1 to verse 14, it says that the Word became flesh and it dwelt among us. That is the picture of Jesus leaving heaven, coming to earth. Paul tells us that Jesus left the side of God, left the power of heaven, left the ability to do and have whatever he desired. He left all of that, came down and was born in a barn, took upon a human body. Anybody in here get tired of their human body? Anybody in here not satisfied with the performance of your human body? Are there days when you wish that you could tweak it up, change it, make it into something different? Jesus left being God and took on a human body. Why? Because there was a plan throughout all of creation to come and let the world know that God loves the whole world and that he had a plan for them. Jesus was the messenger of God's love. But more than that, he was the solution to the problem. The Gospel of Luke chapter 19 verse 10 says, The Son of Man, Jesus, came to seek and to save that which was lost. Whether you know it or not, you were born lost. You were born without a Savior. You were born with a sin problem. Jesus came from heaven to this world so that we might be saved. All roads lead to, get to Bethlehem, but it all begins in the beginning. Let's jump back to the very beginning. Genesis chapter 1, it says that God created the heavens and the earth. God being the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, He created by design, not by accident. This world that we live in, this amazing place, the heavens and the earth, it is all by design. Because what God wanted to communicate over and over and over and over again is, I love the world, I love the world, I love the world. This message, I want you to be a child of mine. I want you to be saved. I want you to be forgiven. I want you to have uh, redemption in your life. That message of love to the world is what God wanted the whole world to hear. Now, Pastor, what's all that got to do with Christmas? <laughs> Let me bring it home. Christmas is not about the gifts that you give or the gifts that you receive. Christmas is not about uh, how much uh, tinsel you can hang, how many lights you can have on your house. I mean, I, I, I kind of love that Christmas vacation picture and, and when he throws the lights. I mean, that's, that's all cool, but that's not what Christmas is about. Christmas was not the beginning but a major chapter in a book. It was an act in the play of time that began in Genesis 1 and through the promised land when God's people were in strife and in trouble, God's plan was still there. When there was uh, times of strife and times of deliverance, God was still there with his message of love. When, it, when uh, the miracles happened, when God did things that were unexplainable, when he stopped the sun, his whole purpose was a message of love, a message of deliverance. And when it ended up with a teenage girl who became the mother of Jesus through, because she, even though she was a virgin, God did a miracle in her life when he told this young carpenter that you would be the stepdad to the savior of the world. God's plan was still in place. He never got off 
beat, and they were crazy enough to believe that God could do that, and God did a miracle. He defied nature, and he did what only he could do to bring his son into the world. I'll tell you why I think that Jesus was born in the manger to a virgin and had a stepdad. Here's why I think. Because if it would have happened the way the world would have thought, they'd have thought they'd have been in, in control. Oh, we predicted he would be this great military leader. So God says, you know what? If that's what you think I'm going to do, I'm going to do this just to show you I'm God. I'm going to pick a young, young lady who is a godly woman, who loves God, who serves God, and I'm going to do a miracle in her life, and I'm going to give Jesus a stepdad on this earth who is not his, his, uh, his physical father, but who would be a father to him and bring him up in the ways of following Jesus. And I, I'm, I'm going to bring him up where he's a carpenter, and he's not a, he's not a, a, a person of royalty. And I, God says, I'm going to show you that I am God, and I can do whatever I want to do. And so Jesus comes in a way that's incredible because Christmas was not the beginning, but an event where once again, God decided that he would complete his plan and provide a savior for the whole world in a way that nobody could see coming. You see, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning was the Logos, and the Logos was God and was with God. See, all of that comes into play. And God used this myriad of different characters and players in Matthew chapter 1 where he, he brings together this incredible team of people who are messed up and broken and some are good and some have been through some bad. And, and he said, redemption is the theme and redemption is how I will bring Jesus to the world because in the beginning, God's plan was for you. In the beginning, God's plan was for me because, and I don't understand this, and I can't completely explain it to you, but listen to me. In the beginning, God saw you, and God saw me. Here's Doug in the middle of South Dakota. Nobody knows me. I'm not, I'm not world-renowned. Nobody knows my name and yet the God who created the whole universe, who put everything in place before all of this was put into place, God saw me and God saw you. And he began to set a plan in place for your redemption and for mine. The second thing that God did was that God began to prepare for you. What happens in your house when you prepare for a guest? I don't know what happens at your house, but I know what happens at mine. We hide all the stuff we don't want everybody to see, and we clean up everything else, right? I mean, you, you close the door, and you tell the kids, don't take anybody in here, because that's where everything's piled, right? I mean, you, you close it up, and you, you clean off everything, and everybody walks in, and they go, oh, man, you, you got everything in place. Well, you just can't see all the stuff that's hidden. You don't want to go back there in that room, and you, you prepare, because when your guests come into your home, you want to present them in a way that is a blessing to them, that they might have a good experience, that they might enjoy the time that you are with them and they are in your presence. Know this, God prepared for you. He made a place for you to live. He gave you a purpose. And whether you recognize it or not, God had a plan for you before the world was created. Sometimes we don't always follow that plan. 
we get off course and we make our own decisions and we make mistakes. But just as God did in Matthew chapter 1, with that genealogy, that list of people, God doesn't say that once you make a mistake, that I scratch your name off the list. You know what God does? He gives grace. See, because God saw you and he prepared for you because he loves you. And he wanted you to hear the message that has never changed, that has always been the same throughout time from Genesis 1 until the day this world ends. God's message has been the same. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. See, God didn't make a mistake. Throughout the whole amount of time that has been in place, there has been a string that all roads led to Bethlehem. And from Bethlehem, it went to the cross where Jesus laid down his life for you and me. Not because he did anything wrong, but because we did wrong. He paid the price. They put him in a grave. He rose from the grave and he is alive today. Why? Because God saw you and he saw me and he planned for us and he wanted us to hear the message that God loves the whole world. That's why when Jesus showed up on the scene, the church didn't know what to do with him because he didn't come like they expected him and they didn't believe that he was the Messiah because he didn't come like they thought that he would. And so the church was in turmoil because they didn't know what to do with this so-called Messiah that they had been waiting on. And God said, listen, I am still in charge and I'm going to do things my way. And my way is in a manger. And my way is a cross. My way is a tomb. And my way is redemption. See, God never made a mistake. He never got off course. When Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob made mistakes, God was still there. When David made a huge hole in his life, God was still there. When these people made mistakes and seemed to get off course, God was still there. And when Mary birthed the Savior of the world, God was there. See, God never got off course. He knew exactly where he wanted to go. And today, that road that led to Bethlehem now leads to you. The question that I have for you this morning is this. Have you allowed Jesus to give you the greatest gift of your life? Salvation in Christ alone. For most of us, we make a list. My kids are really good at this of what they want for Christmas. Dad, I, I want, tell Santa, I want this. Uh, I, I, and so they make a long list. And so they'd say, here's what I want. Christmas is not about your list. The greatest gift you get will not be under the tree. The greatest gift that you can have to this Christmas is Jesus. And he had a plan for you. He saw you. He planned for you before you were ever born. Romans chapter 5, verse 8 says that God demonstrates his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God wants to give you salvation today. And if Christmas is about anything, it's about Jesus. 
So if you've never asked Christ into your heart, then today you get Christmas early. You can ask him to be your Lord and your Savior. Would you bow your heads with me? With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you've never asked Jesus into your heart, right now I just want you to think about you. If you want Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of your life, if you want the greatest gift of all, then right now where you are, you can pray this prayer silently in your heart. You can say, Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for making a way for me to know you. Lord, I've made mistakes, but God, today I ask for your forgiveness. I ask that you would cleanse my heart and make me clean. I ask that today you would make me your child. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and Savior. Lord, I want to be more like you. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you prayed that prayer, Scripture says that Jesus will come into your heart and he will be your Lord and your Savior. What I know from personal experience is that there's nothing like that gift of forgiveness and grace because you can't earn it and you can't deserve it, but God gives it because he loves you. As we close this morning, I just want you to reflect on the grace that has flowed from the cross. What God has done in your life, that the greatest gift that you've been given is not for sale, but it's free. Heavenly Father, with all our hearts today, we're thankful that you had a plan, that you're not shooting from the hip, that you're not trying to figure it out as you go. But since the beginning of time and before time began, that you knew that you were going to send Jesus to be born in a manger, that the world might know that there is a Messiah. Lord, that you would send him to the cross for us. And that you prepared a way that we might be forgiven and cleansed. For that, Jesus, we say thank you. For that, Heavenly Father, we bless you, we honor you. And God, I pray that as we celebrate this great holiday of the birth of the Messiah, of the King of kings and the Lord of lords, Lord, that we will recognize that it's all about Jesus. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name I pray.